Chapter 12 The Paradox Moon 1. Before 23rd of June, 2007 Unit Aircraft Carrier Valiant It was the Master's Utopia. So, of course, it was the end of the world. Geneva was burning. Tokyo was aflame. The President of the United States of America had just been vaporised live on TV. A demented Time Lord had conquered the Earth, and a rift had opened in the sky, a blood-red scar the length of a continent, disgorging a rain of invaders that giggled as they killed. Extravagant, sibling same thought. He was on his knees, gasping at the cold metal deck. Everything felt too real and not real at all. The warble of alarms, the tremor of marching feet, the crackle and pulse of distant guns. Just for an instant, he saw the grating through his fingers, as if he were on the verge of fading away. Get up, he thought. This is nothing. You survived the war, didn't you? It was an ironic little mantra. Technically, nobody had survived what a grateful universe was now calling the last great time war. Technically, it had never even happened. Wiped from existence by a do-gooder time lord and their truly colossal sense of entitlement. A fitting end for a war in which time itself had become a battleground, so torn by constant interference that eventually you couldn't even trust one second to follow the next. Staggering to his feet, wiping drool away with a translucent hand, sibling same set out, trying not to think about how the red light of the alarms was painting him crimson from the inside out. There was a lot of commotion. Soldiers were running. Civilians were panicking. He could hear radio chatter and intercom announcements coming fast and loud and panicked. Repeat, repeat, the doctor has been captured. This is London. We're under siege. Oh, God, what do we do? And then, over everything, a voice, thunderous, with manic satisfaction. The voice of a child, with no limits to its spite or its hunger. And I looked down upon my new dominion as master of all. For a weak, sentimental moment, sibling same wished he could tell them. None of this had ever happened. Oh, it was happening right now, obviously. People were dying, a world was on fire. But it wouldn't be happening for long. Someone was going to turn the clock back and cut away this timeline the way a child might snap a dead twig. Like a gardener. Like a god. Sibling same limped to a closed metal door and forced it open. He was still weak from the effort of breaking into a timeline about to be undone. Beyond, cast in a halo of scarlet light, was a blue police box with its door wide open, hundreds of cables spilling out into towers of machinery that pulsed a deep infernal red. Gardens were meant to be plundered, he thought, moving forward. That was a mantra too. Gods are meant to be robbed. 2. Now. Possibly December. Definitely the Shadow Proclamation HQ. It's the moon, if you must know, the Shadow Architect said, 
a note of accusation in her voice. But I know nothing about any distress call. She had a good voice for accusation, the doctor thought. Of course, that was practically a job requirement. The Shadow Proclamation bound nearly 40,000 planets in a shared agreement of laws, jurisdiction and cooperation, and at the centre of that viciously complicated tangle was this pale, chilly office and this pale, chilly being. The Shadow Architect was lean and graceful, with skin the colour of parking tickets and eyes the shade of drying blood. It was hard to tell, behind that praying mantis poise, but she looked just as confused to see the doctor as the doctor was to see her. Well, I didn't show up just to say hi, the doctor said, mostly to the architect, but also, crucially, to the eight Jadoon guards stationed around the cavernous marble office. No offence. None taken, the shadow architect said icily. The Jadoon kept their weapons raised. There was no love lost between the doctor and the proclamation. It wasn't that the Doctor didn't approve of laws as a general concept, but she was also very aware that law was a fragile thing, and it changed depending on where you stood. Right and wrong, and kindness and mercy, on the other hand, were portable, durable, and in the Doctor's opinion, valid just about everywhere. The Shadow Proclamation did not approve of the Doctor at all. This was for many reasons. The doctor popped up in strange places. She didn't recognise any jurisdiction but her own. Worse, she was a living symbol of that half-mythical age when law and order had in fact been the provision of the Time Lords. That hadn't ended well for anybody, least of all the Time Lords themselves. I had a whole day of minor maintenance planned, the doctor said, pointing at her TARDIS in the corner of the room. Nothing major, just little tweaks. Tardises are a lot of work, like jellyfish. The shadow architect placed a long, graceful finger on her temple. Excuse me? Not in shape, obviously. And you'd be hard-pressed to find a jellyfish that contained a library, though I could tell you stories. But because a jellyfish isn't just one creature, it's part of a collection of creatures that all support each other, just like a Tardis. Translation matrix, chameleon circuit... Ambiguous resolver. It's a full-time job keeping them all going. What's the word? Oh, it's a great word. Siphonophores, one of the Jadoon grunted, before looking slightly sheepish. An impressive feat for a humanoid rhino. The architect gave them a long, appraising look. fam the doctor said. Easier to say. Point being... I have things to do. I'm only here because I received a distress call. And I am telling you, the shadow architect said, that we did not send it. She rose from her seat, bidding the doctor follow her through one of the office's many gloomy archways. On the other side, standing out against the headquarters' faded marble glory, were banks upon banks of data monitoring equipment. All of it was aflame. Some terminals sparked sulkily under drifts of anti-fire foam. Others blazed defiantly, their screens and keyboards blown out. Parchment-skinned acolytes ran back and forth, trying to splice cables or recover charred readouts, but it was clearly a lost cause. Our entire communications network is down, the architect said. 
Her long fingers twitched, as if she could feel all that information slipping between them. We cannot contact our fleets, and our member planets cannot contact us. The Shadow Proclamation is blinded, Doctor. It clearly stung the architect to say this, and the Doctor could understand why. The Shadow Proclamation was a blunt instrument, slow, unwieldy, and as subtle as a brick to the face when it came to matters of right and wrong. But it also mainly, mostly, managed to keep a certain type of peace. It was certainly better than nothing, but now nothing was exactly what nearly 40,000 worlds were getting. It's the moon, the architect said again, pointing up through the chamber's transparent domed roof to the white orb above, murky and pearlescent as a blinded eye. What's wrong with it? the doctor asked. We don't have one, the architect said simply. Or we didn't, until about six hours ago. It just appeared, and the resulting gravitational distortion blew out every single defence shield and communications array we had. We're lucky it didn't shatter our headquarters completely. As it is, it will take us months to rebuild. The doctor stared up at the rogue moon. Where did it come from? We do not know. Has it tried to communicate with you? The shadow architect scowled, once again pointing at the ruin of their communications equipment. We sent a data boat up, but there's been no response. Further data boats are in transit to our closest outposts. A fleet will be raised to blow this thing from the sky, unless our own guns come online and do it first. Do you always have to enforce the law at the barrel of a gun? The doctor said. Is there, in fact, a law against moons showing up out of nowhere? The architect frowned. I imagine there is. At the very least, you need a permit. Why? What are you proposing? The doctor grinned. Let me take a look. Absolutely not. Why not? I'm supposed to be elbow deep in some Archon cabling right now. The door on the TARDIS is a little stiff from our last crash landing. Two of the showers are producing chocolate instead of water. That's fewer than normal. I have lots to be doing. If you're that busy, then why do... The architect's eyes narrowed. Oh, you want a distraction? The doctor shrugged. I didn't become the time traveller I am today by thinking about maintenance. Takes all the fun out of things. Neatening things, doing accounts, tying up loose ends. That's boring. No offence. None taken the architect said again. It didn't sound any more believable the second time around. Doctor, you seem to be forgetting that you have no authority here. Your presence is unasked for. The Shadow Proclamation does not call on time-travelling vagabonds who cause just as much chaos as they prevent. We enforce treaties. We lay down sanctions. We raise armies if need be. We do things properly. The doctor sighed. The thing about properly is it discounts all the things that are not proper, like moons showing up out of nowhere. This seems like a very improper situation, honoured architect. Let me take it off your hands. The shadow architect stared at the doctor, with eyes that had judged civilizations and found them wanting. Doctor, she said, do you know something we don't? Perish the thought the doctor replied immediately, and hoped those suspicious eyes couldn't tell she was lying. 
Thanks to the TARDIS's arcane sensors and its translation circuit, distress calls could arrive at the console room in a number of ways. Not just through the millions of frequencies it could detect, but through telepathic calls, hypercubes or phone calls from Winston Churchill. The Doctor thought she had experienced all the myriad ways the universe could ask for help. She'd never heard anything like the call that had brought her here. A word. A curse. A threat. Paradox. 3. Before. 26th of June 2010. Somewhere in the United Kingdom. You know you're going about it the long way round. Sibling Different was tall and striking, and her red hair spilled around her golden mask like the heat corona around an eclipsed star. When the war had ended, when it had been ended, Sibling Same reminded himself, crossed out like a wrong answer on a school exam, the line that had been drawn hadn't just gone through places and timelines, it had gone through people. Sibling same and sibling different had ended up on one side of that line and their past had ended up on the other. He no longer remembered who he had been before the war. He didn't think sibling different remembered either. She spoke like she did, though. She spoke with steely confidence. Every idea she had was the right idea. Every whim the only course. Kill the doctor, she said. Take what we need. Simple. As she spoke, she flickered, her skin flashing to a negative of itself. That had been happening a lot more lately, like the warning light of a battery about to fail. The war had changed them, which in itself wasn't a surprise. War transformed people. That was what it did. Mostly it transformed them from alive to dead, but it had made the siblings something else entirely. Ghosts of a timeline that never was. Ghosts on the verge of fading away. It's too risky, he said, scanning the empty street. My way is better, safer. It was almost impossible to explain what it felt like to stand in a dead timeline before it was erased. The closest comparison he could make was that it was like stepping into a display home or the sample family photos in a picture frame. There was no one thing you could point to. Everything felt real, arranged as it should be. And yet, there was a falseness to it, a hollowness, as if the very atoms in the air were going through the motions until the clock turned back. Or maybe, he thought, that's just how Ledworth feels all the time. The houses were settled and comfortable, stacked beside each other like seat cushions. It was nearly midnight, and all the lights in all the windows were out. Cars sat on driveways, still warm to the touch from the sun. Sibling Same let his hand linger on a car bonnet, trying to soak up the heat. Sometimes he worried they were ghosts, that they hadn't managed to escape the time war after all, that this was the afterlife and they had died. Dead souls, wandering dead timelines, wanting. There was a blue box, sitting on the end of the street. Let's just take it, sibling different hissed. The doctor isn't even here. Paradox energy sizzled around her fingertips. They were still learning about this strange power that infected them, 
the power that let them glide through dead timelines like spectres through a wall. Maybe it was a byproduct of that line that had bisected them. Maybe it was a remnant of the war itself, some contaminant or scar. Everything had been weaponized eventually, Sibling Same remembered. Everything, from the stars in the sky to the beats of your heart. Even that memory felt fragile in his head. If we take it, the doctor will hunt us, he said finally. It was an old argument. The last TARDIS. Their TARDIS. They will never stop, and we will never have peace. Threads of paradox light dribbled from his own fingers. I don't want their attention, sibling. Look what it did to us last time. That stung her, and not least because it was a lie. The doctor had erased the time war, split the siblings down the middle, and cursed them to this flickering half-existence without even knowing they existed. Sibling Same didn't want to know what might happen if the attention of a Time Lord fell on them for real. Besides, he said, watching a figure step out of one of the houses, you're right, the Doctor isn't here, and I am not unsympathetic to who is. They had done their research when it came to the TARDIS and the known associates of the Time Lord who called it home. Henrik Chill had been useful for that, at least, even if it had been clear he hadn't believed the words coming out of his mouth. A child touched by the vortex, sibling Same said, made singular and unique, and caused a drift to wander through the universe, never belonging anywhere. Another one of Gallifrey's callous accidents. Sibling Different's voice was sombre. The closest thing to family we will ever have. They watched River Song run to the TARDIS. In minutes, the timeship would explode, taking this entire timeline with it. We want to leave the war behind, different, he said. That made him think of ghosts too. Ghosts all wanted second chances, didn't they? Or revenge. Why steal someone else's TARDIS when we can build our own? Four. Now. Possibly December. Definitely the Shadow Proclamation HQ. I really don't need guards, the Doctor said, stepping up onto the platform, and I much prefer to bring my ship. I'm sure you don't, and I'm sure you would, said the architect from the teleporter control station. She was wearing a look of uncharacteristic amusement. I remember how useful you find that machine when you need to leave us behind. If it remains in our custody, your fate is bound to ours. Doesn't that count as stealing? The doctor asked wryly. A ghost of a ghost of a smile might have crossed the architect's face. Confiscating? Flirt, the doctor said, and looked round at the two guards she had been assigned. Right, introductions then. I'm the doctor. The first guard was a robot, the shape of an archaeologist's trowel, wide at the bottom, narrowing to a point at the top, where a single gleaming lens peered out through plates of black armour. It clicked forward on a hundred spindly legs. Praetorian XB1, the robot buzzed. A pleasure to serve. Good, the doctor said. Thank you. Sincerity value 10%, it added. Oh, the doctor said. 
Transparency is important with our officers, the architect said. There was that amusement again. And this, she indicated the second guard, is Praetorian May, a human. I know how you like those. Happy to help, the other guard said, face hidden behind a mirrored helmet. She didn't add a sincerity value, which the doctor supposed was something. Prepare for teleportation, the architect said, activating the console. I expect to be kept abreast of what is happening. Of course, the doctor said, popping the comlink May offered her in a pocket and immediately forgetting it existed. And just checking, obviously just checking, you'll give me a good heads up before you open fire on the moon, won't you? The architect was suddenly very engrossed in her screen. Typical, the doctor said, just typical. Shall we? A pillar of blue light lanced upward to connect the platform and the moon, like the laser sight on a sniper rifle. Then, with a roar, they were airborne. The doctor had ample time, in the sparkling transference beam, to observe the moon grow larger and larger, its surface pocked and pale and strangely fragile, like a shed snakeskin. She instinctively flinched as they went through that surface, and then the beam faded away, leaving them standing in... Odd, Praetorian XB1 said. Sincerity value, 95%. We appear to be in a... House, the doctor said. An earth house by the architecture. Maybe early 20th century? The hallway was narrow, its ceiling low, the floor darkly varnished wood. The wallpaper was yellowing flowers, struggling to grow through a layer of dust. Not a home, the doctor decided. If a person lived long enough in one place, they imprinted it with their personality. They made it theirs. But this place was giving the doctor the same feeling she got in bus stations or airports or hotels. Nobody lived in those places. They just visited and afterwards their presence was meticulously tidied away. There were many doors leading off the hallway. The doctor tried each handle as they passed. All of them were locked. Where do you think it came from? May asked. The hallway eventually gave way to what might have been a ballroom. White sheets covered the furniture, and dust covered the sheets. Every door they found was locked. The windows were shuttered, their clasps glued shut by dust. The trio moved slowly, poised for any sign they were not alone in this echoing, abandoned place. Could be a spaceship, the doctor said. A spaceship made to look like a moon. Or a moon converted into a spaceship. Or a moon converted into a creepy old house and then converted into a spaceship. I've seen spaceships that look like forests. Spaceships that took the form of people. I mean, my TARDIS alone can... Something was itching at the doctor's senses, rasping against them like a file. You two been with the Shadow Proclamation long? she asked. Maybe if she distracted herself it would click into place. Since activation, the android said, it is a pleasure to serve. Sincerity value, 85%. That's nice, the doctor said. Good to like your job. What about you, May? I'm new, May said. Why are you here? They made their way down another corridor, identical to the one that had gone before. 
Just arrived out of nowhere, same day as the moon. What's that about? Accusation, the doctor noted. They must teach that tone in basic training. I got a distress call, she said. Or my TARDIS did. A single word, phrased as a cry for help. What word? May asked. Paradox. The cheer had drained from the doctor's voice. So I came, as fast as I could. Feels like it fits, May said. Moon appears out of nowhere, all done up like a house. That isn't a paradox, the doctor said. That's just weird. And don't get me wrong, if the distress call had been, help, there's a weird abandoned house moon, I still would have come. Mostly because calls like that are brilliant, but also because that's what I do. Travel around the universe. Try to keep things ticking over. Keep things tidy. Thought you didn't like maintenance, May said. She sounded annoyed. You were listening to that, were you? The doctor said. Well, some types of maintenance are more important than others. Maintenance was what my people were all about once upon a time. And what people are those? May asked. The doctor hesitated. Gallifrey had a weight to it. The Time Lords were an old race. That came with responsibilities. It also came with guilt. Being around a long time meant you had plenty of time to make mistakes. The Doctor had once been proud to be a Time Lord. Now it was something she wanted a break from. I'll tell Team Tardis about my past some day. Definitely. Oh, you know, she said. I'm a citizen of the universe. She peered at a painting on the wall beside her. It appeared to be a replica of Napoleon crossing the Alps by Jacques-Louis David. Not a very accurate one, she thought. She'd crossed the Alps with Napoleon. She didn't remember any stegosaurs. What am I missing? Is paradox a dirty word where you're from, then? said May. No, the doctor said distractedly. It's just one we use correctly. Does it bother you when people say literally, when they actually mean figuratively? Or when people say how ironic, when actually they just mean bad cutlery management? The two guards stared blankly at her. The doctor shrugged. Some words mean very specific things. Are you familiar with the grandfather paradox? Praetorian XB1's lens clicked. Travel back in time, kill your grandfather, but then you no longer exist. You did not travel back to kill your grandfather, which means he is alive, which means you exist, which means you do travel back. So you didn't, so you did. Exactly, the doctor said. When you travel through time, you have to keep things neat. Hands and other extremities inside the time stream, please. But a paradox is what happens when you don't. A paradox is the unanswerable question, the repeating impossibility, the loose end that could unravel everything. Dangerous, untidy, also very hard on grandfathers, which, as a former grandfather, I have to take issue with. Clocks! She spun suddenly, causing May to step back, torchbeam jagging crazily. Excuse me, May said. That's what this place is reminding me of, the doctor said. Don't ask me how. It takes a little while for the rest of my thoughts to catch up. She started to jog, feet echoing on the worn floorboards. Clocks? Why am I thinking about clocks? The hallways led to two more, stretching away into the gloom. 
She chose one at random. Is it random? Why do I feel like I know where I'm going? And ran down it, each step prompting an exhale of dust. There were more paintings here, a replica of American Gothic by Grant Wood, showing a morose Silurian couple posed with pitchfork and apron. There was a copy of Poor Vincent's The Starry Night, except the sons were angels that wept and burned as they fell. Not replicas, the doctor thought. Alternates. Glimpses into paintings that never were. Maker's marks, she said suddenly. That's why I was thinking about clocks. Clockmakers often etch little messages inside the casing to aid future repairs. Mind that ball joint or use a size three screw. Interesting, the android said. Sincerity value, 5%. Why is this relevant? Because everything made has maker's marks, the doctor said. They ran down another corridor and yet another, all with that stained wooden floor and fading wallpaper and windows that looked out on nowhere. Intended or otherwise, the passage of a chisel, a scar from a misplaced nail, a spot of paint where the painter was careless. It's the artist's signature. Even the most precisely machined component will show some sign of the tools that were used to create it. I don't understand, May said. Neither do I, the doctor said. The hallway they were in ended in a set of doors far bigger than any they had passed before. She paused in front of them, running her fingers along the panelling as if searching for some hidden clasp or catch. The floorboards, the windows, they don't have maker's marks at all. Nothing by chisel or laser cutter or hammer or nail. Look at the paintings. No brush strokes. No sign of an artist's hand at all. She took a step backwards, hand pressed to her temples. I don't think this place was made. I think it was grown. Try the handle, May said quietly. The doctor turned the handle and stepped through. Falling through time was not a new sensation for the Doctor. She had tumbled through the time vortex in the TARDIS, of course, and knew that thrill as millennia ran like raindrops inches from her skin. She'd free-fallen with a vortex manipulator, which bore the same resemblance to travel in the TARDIS as bungee jumping did to a first-class flight. She'd stowed away in Gallifreyan paintings that were actual timelines frozen in place, and even jumped unprotected into her own timeline, which was 100% absolutely the stupidest thing she'd done that day, maybe even that week. This wasn't a literal plunge through time, but that made it more disturbing, not less. The space beyond the door was inky blackness. The doctor held up her sonic screwdriver for light, but it was like the searchlights of a deep-sea explorer vessel trying to make sense of the ocean's depths. All it did was illuminate just how much darkness there was. The doctor ran forward and the light of her sonic began to pick out looming shapes. Five great hexagonal structures curving down from the ceiling like the fingers of a colossal hand. Every centimetre of the inverted towers was as busy as a coral reef, exposed machinery sparking and humming bundles of wiring bulging out between arcane arrangements of circuitry and crystal. The floor too was cluttered with components, dissected and dismantled or piled in tottering heaps. There was an apriotron, 
abandoned and dusty, its gauges and nozzles crusted with rust. There was an ambiguous resolver and a great holding jar for symbiotic nuclei, and there was a dimensional adjudicator sitting upright in an old chronon shell like a flower in a pot. The stark contrast between the advanced technology and the run-down architecture outside made her think of clocks again, of humming gears hidden behind antique wood. Or, the doctor realised suddenly, like stepping into a police box and finding that it wasn't quite the same size as its dimensions might suggest. Maker's marks, the Time Lord whispered. I thought you said the place didn't have any, May said from behind her. The Praetorians had advanced warily into the space, panning their torch beams through the junkyard heaps. XB1 looked as worried as it was possible for a triangular robot to look. The outside doesn't, the doctor said. That's the point. The outside is just what it looks like, the shell around the core. These components, this machine, is the heart of it. And there are maker's marks everywhere. Can you read them? May asked. Of course I can, the doctor said. They're mine. Good. May raised her rifle and shot XB1 through the visor. Then we can begin. Five. The siblings ghosted through reality, through timelines alive and dead, and everywhere they went, they collected. They visited a timeline where the Doctor had fallen on Agrippina Primus, and a billion Cybermites besieged a grieving TARDIS, desperate to convert the most powerful ship in the universe. The TARDIS had shut down its chameleon circuit in retaliation, swelling to the size of a planet and starving cyber-converters and the TARDIS's own self-repair systems jewelled under a blue wooden sky. Locating gravitic drift compensators took them to a timeline where the Doctor and the TARDIS themselves were at war. An ancient hunger had burrowed into the timeship's heart and now it hunted across the cosmos, consuming all it could find. A weeping doctor raised an army in pursuit, and in the light of a dying sun, two old friends laid each other low. Sibling Different had laughed at that. Sibling Same had not. We don't have a choice, that's what he told himself as they plundered. The doctor took that from us. The Time Lord got to rewrite the universe, to edit the course of events so that they were the winner, so that they were the heroes time and time again. All the siblings had was the paradox energy that guttered in them like candles, and that was a double-edged sword. It gave them access to dead timelines, true, but every component they stole cost them, used them up, just a little more than before. That scared siblings same on the days when he could remember to be scared. Every day brought a new gap where a memory should be. They were ghosts, figuratively and literally. They had been killed when the war had ended. It was just taking longer than usual for their bodies to lie down and accept it. They were, quite literally, running out of time. Unless we get to undo what was done to us, unless we rewrite ourselves, and for that, they needed the machine. Timelines where Donna Noble never existed. Timelines where Clara never died at all.
timelines where the bad wolf and the Daleks fused and a garden of metal roses grew across all of time and space. The siblings ran up and down the Doctor's histories like a bead of water on a string and bound TARDIS component after component together with the energy that pulsed through them like blood. They sat in the Mask Majestrix and heard about the end of the war and all siblings same could think was that it seemed like something that had happened to someone else. They hunted and they collected and they excavated and they stole and piece by piece they fed themselves to the Paradox Moon. 6. Now. Possibly December, in orbit round the Shadow Proclamation HQ. You know, May said casually, my plan was just to kill you. Smoke wafted from the charred crater of Praetorian XB1's sensor lens. She lifted a hand to waft it away. Simple? Effective? Yes, but historically quite a high failure rate. The doctor didn't even really hear herself say the words. People threatened to kill her a lot. She could usually deliver a comeback on autopilot, and there was always the chance it might break the tension and they could all have a nice laugh together instead. Right now, that didn't seem likely. Not just because there was a gun pointed at the doctor's head, she was used to that, but because the Time Lord found herself beset by a precise and steely rage. These are pieces of my TARDIS, she said. My TARDIS! May was angry too, the doctor could tell. For all her smirking bravado, her fingers were trembling on the butt of the gun. Anger and... fear? But sibling same convinced me we were better off flying under your radar until we were properly up and running, she said, as if the doctor hadn't spoken. Appearing in front of the proclamation was a test run, sharpest eyes in the galaxy, and they never saw us coming. The sardonic mirth in her voice vanished. But you did. We picked up your arrival on the scanners. That's why I had to infiltrate them. How did you know we were here? Pieces of my TARDIS, the doctor said again. She was distantly aware neither one of them was really listening to the other, but was far too angry to care. Where did you get them? She pointed. Synapse link for a translation matrix. I know I'm not missing that. I was working on it this morning. How was it here? Kill your grandfather. The voice echoed through the cavern. And the doctor saw a second figure emerge from behind one of the tottering stacks. It was a boy, barely in his teens, his face hidden behind a mask of bone, a fearful, inhuman thing with long fangs and dark eye sockets. Kill your grandfather and vanish from existence, then reappear because you never killed him at all. So, back to work. Lots to do. Grandfathers to kill. What are you? And you think those timelines vanish? But they don't. May turned her face away, replacing her helmet with a mask, the long avian skull of some vicious carrion crow. It could have been the light, but for a moment she appeared faint, like a drawing someone had tried to rub out. It's like extinction. When a meteor impact kills everything on Earth, those creatures don't go anywhere. 
They fall and get buried, and passing time crushes them to a line of strata in the ground. Life moves on, ignorant of all the dead under their feet. Sibling Different and I have seen them, the boy said. All the timelines you've ended in your long and illustrious career. You come down like a comet, Doctor, and there are many, many skeletons under your feet. That's where you got these pieces, the Doctor whispered. The moon, it's just a shell. You're building a TARDIS from... from pieces of its alternate selves. It wasn't just her signature she could see on the components littered around them. She could see scars from Cybermen blasters, burns from Dalek guns, damage from battlefields she knew she had undone. You've stitched it together from the shrapnel of its own destruction. From timelines my TARDIS undid. May, sibling different, executed a short, mocking bow. Well, TARDISes don't have grandfathers. Sibling Same and I had to do the best we could. Why? the doctor said. It was a weak word to convey the disbelief and horror in her heart. But it was all she could think to ask. Why would you do this? Because you killed us, Sibling Same said. And now he flickered too, warping like a reflection in a broken mirror. You ended the time war, changed all of time and space. Did you really think there'd be no loose ends? We're just outlines, Doctor. Shadows burned into a wall. And even that is fading away. Unless we change the timeline, Different said. Our next run will take us through time, all the way back to the war. History is written by the victors, Doctor. You get to do it all the time. Why shouldn't we? Her lips twisted in a grin beneath the hooked beak of her mask. Paradox victorious. I'm genuinely impressed, the Doctor said placing each syllable slowly and carefully, like someone diffusing a bomb. With just how catastrophically that is not going to work. She waved a hand at the great machine surrounding them. Your little practice run blinded a world. Sibling Different snorted. Collateral damage. They got off lucky. Yes the doctor interrupted. They did. They should be thanking their lucky stars. I'm amazed this thing hasn't exploded already and taken half the universe with it. She stalked towards them, ignoring the rifle in different hands. And even if it doesn't pull itself apart, even if you manage to enter the time vortex with this ailing, contradictory mess of a ship, I have no idea what would happen if you tried to go back and undo my decision. I genuinely don't. I don't have room in my brain to figure it out. Do you remember the war? Do you remember what it was like? Sibling Different stuck out her jaw, like an insolent child. Yes, I, I do. Was it the doctor's imagination? Did she hear uncertainty? Then you remember it was hell. Whole civilizations vanishing. Timelines crumpling like paper held to a flame. And all that destruction will be a picnic if two meddling idiots decide to go back and start it all over again. 
tough, Different snapped. Siblings same? Activate the machine. Are you sure? The boy said. He definitely sounded uncertain. Just travelling in space nearly used me up. We need more time to... Now! He ran. It took the doctor a second to recognise that what she had taken for another pile of detritus was in fact a console, a twisted creation of warped pillars and fused-together instrument arrays, as mangled as a Frankenstein heart. Don't do that, the doctor warned. Don't! Sibling Same pulled a rusting lever, and the world went mad. The towers above them spasmed, expanding and contracting, as if trying to make a fist. Metal charred, sparks spat. A blinding knot of light bloomed above the console, wrenching itself from side to side as thorns and vines of energy spiked outwards, fighting for purchase on a reality that knew this machine could not exist. It was horrible to watch. The Doctor's TARDIS was a living thing, a graceful creature born to dart and dive through the currents of time. This was like watching a sickly animal try to stagger up a hill, falling and rising and falling again. The whole chamber trembled, and the siblings collapsed against each other, the light catching on their masks and turning them a blinding, hateful white. I told you, the doctor shouted, this machine cannot work. The pieces you've assembled know they're not meant for this timeline. Sibling Different flickered out entirely, just a bundle of lines drawn on the air before resolving again and collapsing. The boy left the console and rushed to her, kneeling by her side. You're using yourselves up, the doctor said, using your paradox energy to anchor this machine, to force it to be real. It's killing you. Not if we make it work, sibling same snapped but the anger drained from his voice as he stared down at Different. A great arc of eye-achingly bright light lashed out from between the towers, scratching a crazed line of destruction across the walls. The communicator in the doctor's pocket buzzed. Doctor? Doctor! Interference and anger had turned the architect's voice into a staticky bark. We're detecting a massive energy build-up! The gravitational distortion is a hundred times worse. A fleet is inbound. They have orders to open for... Oh, good, the doctor said. Well, we'll probably have blown up before then. The towers were vibrating with the strain of trying to contain the force that crackled and spat between them. The moon would tear itself apart, trying to do what the siblings were asking of it. The doctor had seen what happened when a TARDIS exploded. She never wanted to see it again. OK, the doctor said. Yeah, disassemble a living TARDIS on the brink of exploding before it gets shot out of the sky. Can definitely do that. Sincerity value 10%, she added in her head. Sibling same. The boy flinched from her outstretched hand. You could help, the Time Lord said. This TARDIS shouldn't exist. It doesn't want to exist. Your energy is what's holding it together. If you let it go, the pieces might snap back to their own timelines. You can undo the machine. Please. I... I don't... 
Then why call me here? Sibling Different jerked up, gasping, as if she had just broken the surface of the sea. Her body solidified and she pushed Same away. We didn't call you, she hissed. Why would we? And then the doctor understood. You didn't call me here, she said. She did. The TARDIS. Her TARDIS. Her poor, tortured girl. The doctor ran to the console. Sibling Different tried to rise and intercept her, but her weakness and the chamber's shaking sent her spilling across the floor, and Sibling Same went after her. The roiling supernova that was building above the console spasmed and spiked, and beneath the guttural roar of tortured space-time, the doctor could hear it. The sound of a TARDIS in agony. The distress call that had brought her here. I know I've changed things, the doctor said, her fingers racing across the controls, searching for something, anything she could do to ease the time ship's pain. I've made choices, I've ended wars and started them, to my shame, and I have made decisions nobody should ever have had to make. Her voice shook, and the TARDIS shook with it. But you've got it wrong. I don't do it for myself. I don't do it to win. Another quake shook plumes of sparks down around them. One of the towers came loose with a groaning shriek, swinging like a guillotine on its cables to smash another tower free. I do it because I want there to be another tomorrow, and then another one, and then another one after that. And I know they come with a price. I remember all these battles, all these scars. She stroked the console beneath her. I remember all those cries for help, and so does she. I'm sorry for what happened to you, but if you don't at least try to see past it, there will be so much more pain to come. No! Sibling Different snarled, raising her gun. The doctor flinched as she fired, but the shot went wild, deflecting from some invisible barrier around the Time Lord. No, not invisible. Materialising. You don't get to win! You don't get to just escape again! There's no escape, the doctor said, as her own TARDIS began to shimmer into view around her. She had taken her hands away from the controls now, and was just looking up, bathed in the hideously bright light. Not from this. She just wants to be with me. At the end. Sibling Different raised her rifle again, but Same grabbed the barrel. We have to let it go, he whispered through translucent lips. If we don't, it'll kill us and millions of others. Think of the destruction we've seen. Do you want to cause more? If that's what it takes. Sibling Different's mask had come away, and Same winced as he saw the inky black unswirl of paradox energy beneath. Had they ever had faces? It was becoming harder and harder to remember. My timeline. My victory. Or none at all. I understand, Same said. He could feel the Paradox TARDIS straining against them, every piece they had so laboriously collected, trying to pull themselves apart and return to where they were supposed to be. I'm sorry, 
he thought, and began to let them go. What are you doing? Different snapped. She could feel it too. The true timeline was starting to reassert itself. With a roaring crack, one of the towers dematerialised, pieces folding into themselves, vanishing as they returned to where they were supposed to be. Second chances. Same thought. Not everybody got them. Not everybody should. And you were selfish if you tried to take them for yourself. You know, for a while, I really believed we could do it, he said, withdrawing the last of his energy from the Paradox TARDIS and sending it into his sibling in a crackling vein of light. But that timeline is dead. I won't see you die with it. No! Different screamed as the detonation of uncoiling paradoxes threw them apart. Sibling Same had just enough time to see her land at the Doctor's feet, a heartbeat before the walls of the true TARDIS solidified around them. His last thought, as the towers above faded away, as rubble fell through him to smash on the floor, as the chamber's roof collapsed, was that he didn't feel hollow anymore. And then even that was gone. 7. Now. Possibly December, definitely the Shadow Proclamation HQ. When Sibling Different woke, the Doctor was standing over her. Tea? The Doctor said. Different staggered to her feet, clutching for a rifle that wasn't there. I wouldn't bother, the Doctor said, taking a long sip from her own mug. Sibling Different stiffened as she looked around her. She had spent what seemed like her entire life staring at the outside of the TARDIS, coveting it, pillaging its past. Actually being inside it was... It's beautiful, she said. Really beautiful. I know, the doctor said. I'd do anything for her. She held out a mug and Different took it without thinking. That was when she realised that she was solid. The flickering inconsistency of her form was gone. Sibling same. He gave the last of himself to stabilise me. The doctor nodded. And providing you don't use that energy to delve into dead timelines or build an impossible time machine, it might actually last long enough to give you a normal life. They stood in silence for a moment. So, the doctor said, you want the chance to change things? To edit the universe, the way you see fit. So let's do that. Different pulled away her mask, revealing a long freckled face and an explosion of curls. What do you mean? The doctor pointed at the door. Beyond that door are about 50 Praetorians. I don't know what you did with the real May, or if there was a real May at all. But you could go back and be her, if you want. Or I can drop you on pretty much any world you want in pretty much whatever century you want. Do you remember who you were before the war? Different gave an imperceptible shake of her head. There was a group in those wild times, the doctor said. They chased paradoxes, wore masks. I thought most of them had left this universe far behind before the first shots of the war were even fired. Maybe you were one of the fraction who remained. 
We could go looking for them if you like. Why? Different snapped. Why would you help me? Her eyes were red. Because you're right, the doctor said. Why should I be the only one who gets to change things? You can choose who you want to be. Take my help or walk through that door. Your choice. It took May two tries to stand up, scooping the bone mask from the floor. She crossed to the door of the TARDIS in three long strides, ignoring the eyes of the doctor on her back, and opened the door halfway. Then she threw the mask away and closed the door behind it. OK, May said. Where to? We hope you have enjoyed this Penguin audio production of Doctor Who, The Wintertime Paradox by Dave Rudden, read by Sophie Aldred. It was produced by Neil Gardner, and the post-production was by Ladbrook Audio. Copyright in recording, Penguin Audio 2020. Text copyright, written by Dave Rudden, copyright BBC 2020. All rights reserved. The moral rights of the author have been asserted. For more Penguin Audio productions, visit us at penguin.co.uk forward slash